0: Good, good morning. If you turn to Isaiah 52, verse 1, if you don't have it, I'll read it for you as we'll go quickly. This morning, um, as you turn there, look at your neighbor and say, Neighbor, whatever's in your seat is going to have to get out. That's right. That's right. God's appointed you to have a place in him. Isaiah 52, verse 1, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, shake yourself. Someone do this. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Someone say arise and sit down in a dignified place. To sit down when the prophet says to arise first means you're not sitting where you should be sitting. This morning I present to you, get out of my seat and from Ephesians 2 and 6 where we will end. And God made us alive together, someone say together, in Christ Jesus, and raised us up to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Give Jesus a hand this morning. Amen. Amen. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit to this room. We welcome you, sir. Speak to my friends what even I don't say. Speak to them, Lord. Let destinies come forth. Hallelujah. Let your glory be felt in the hearts and minds of your people. Come, sir, in your power and your strength to the glory of Jesus and our great Father God. Let everyone hear from you this morning. We won't leave changed. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. The prophet Isaiah opens up and Israel, someone say Israel, is seated on the floor beneath her place of dignity and honor. Israel with a chain around her neck is seated beneath her place of position. This is Israel who the prophet said inside of you is the Messiah. His name we would come to know as Jesus, King and Lord. Can you say hallelujah? But all they knew was that Messiah was inside their people, inside their nation. You see, prophets in the Old Testament knew the prophecy had been made. But here is Israel with all this potential inside of her. We'll call her her as a nation. Here is Israel with all the prophecies inside of her, with everything proclaimed through ages past and to come. And she's seated on the floor with a chain around her neck beneath her place of dignity before you say, Oh, bless her poor, pitiful heart. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you too. And the prophet says, wake up, look at your neighbor and say, wake up, put on your strength, get back into the place that I, the Lord called you. I love this passage because it tells us that you can have so much potential. You can have so many promises. The glory of the Lord can be hovering over you, but at the very same time you identify with maybe what you're going through. You identify with your past. You identify with your regrets. So you sit in the dust of yesterday. Isaiah 44 and 20 says, a deluded heart is feeds on ashes. That means you feed on things that are not true. And then you can't tell what is in your right hand, if it's truth or not. You see the enemy wants you to be deluded. He wants you to be deceived. He does not want you to take your place in this world and take the kingdom like the spirit of the Lord broke through this morning and said, I think don't step back, step forward. Look at your neighbor and say, step forward, step forward. And here is Israel seated on the floor with all these promises. I like to call what was tormenting Israel and what torments you and I as a wannabe God. Look at your neighbor and say, no wannabe God is going to take my seat. The wannabe God of fear regrets your past. The wannabe God of sorrow, prayers that didn't get answered the way you wanted them to. The things that you've been addicted to, the things that you've passed through these wannabe gods are like this you come in after church today and you go in singing no fear and you're just dancing you go in the house or after work one day you feel so redeemed you feel so victorious you drop your keys on the kitchen counter and all of a sudden that wannabe god rears its ugly head and says bow down before me bow down you see Isaiah the 51st division right before the 52nd division the Lord says to us those things that say to you lay down that me we may Walk on you like a road. You see, you're supposed to be the one that's sitting in a place. But often those wannabe gods say, bow down and you lose your peace. A wannabe God tells you when you can obey God and when you can't obey God. A wannabe God rears its head and says to you, you can be successful or you have to cry. A wannabe God takes the power out and says, bow down. I've watched men and women in my 32 years of full-time ministry. I've watched them come in with their posture up seeking the Lord but I've watched as that wannabe God says to them bow down and all of a sudden the shoulders are slumped over all of a sudden you go sit on the couch you draw the curtains and you just say I'll never be more than I am today I'll never accomplish all that he said I would because that wannabe God whatever it is says to you bow down but you and I don't serve a wannabe God we serve King Jesus the Lord of glory somebody give him praise in this house this morning you see Ephesians 3 and 10 declares what's going on in this passage to the intent that the manifold which means many colored wisdom of God might be made known by the church someone say by the church to principalities and powers in heavenly places That means that angels, look, we studied this a few weeks ago in Ephesians, look in and peer to try to understand this grace upon our life because they're created and don't have the opportunity to be redeemed. It means that principalities and powers of darkness look in and they appear into what's going on in our life. And I often think about this. They saw Israel seated on the floor and they said, she'll never get up. She'll never bring forth Christ, which you and I are called to bring forth Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, you're called to bring forth Jesus. She'll never bring forth Jesus. Israel will never fulfill her commission. I like to think about that as the times I've been blessed to go to the theater. When I was preaching in London, um, Toronto, and New York City, friends would take me to the theater. And I love it when you go into Broadway and you hear the orchestra humming in the different parts and you can hear the chatter of the audience. They're just excited to see what's going to come on the stage. And all of a sudden the curtain opens and all the people that are sitting in the audience wait to see this story and if a story is written right not like Hallmark sorry but if a story is written right you can't figure it out can I get an amen you don't know where it's going I love Hallmark just saying but when you when you peer in and the principalities are peering in and you peer in when you're sitting in that theater and the storyline starts and the conductor is conducting the orchestra and they take you through the, the sorrows and the joys of the main characters. And you heard, I've cried at Broadway, Les Miserables, of course, cried till I couldn't breathe. And we just wiped, Joni Lamb and I were just wiping tears off of our faces as we watch the characters that we love be hurt and be humbled. And you wonder, how is this ever going to come together? But you see, what we didn't know or don't know always is a great mind wrote that, Victor Hugo, Les Miserables. And he wrote it to a point that your heart breaks only to have your heart encouraged and and what they forget is the orchestra that's conducting the orchestra, the conductor that's conducting the orchestra. He just keeps conducting because he knows that's Act Three. But in Act Seven, everything's going to turn around. Come on. He's just waiting for that next turnaround. Let me tell you something. Principalities and powers have peered in on your life and they've said, she would never make it through that bankruptcy in 1998. He would never make it through that divorce of 2004. She would never make it through that thing she went through in 2018. He'll never make it through that. They'll never make it through this. But what they forget, there is a conductor. His name is the great I am and he continues to conduct this thing and he says if you thought what happened in their life in act 7 was great when I turned that around wait till you see what I've got for act 10 I am the Lord and there is no other beside me says God somebody give him praise And someday you and I will stand on the red carpet of eternity and they will say, how did you get through that in that year? And how did you get through that in that year? And how did you get through that? It will not be on the red carpet of eternity that you give accolades to Denzel, but God bless him. Or you give accolades to Steven Spielberg, but God bless him. Or you give accolades to Mel Gibson, but you'll say, there's only one who took me through everything I went through. And you'll point to the right hand of God Almighty and you'll say behold the Lamb of God he's the one that made me to triumph somebody give him the biggest praise in this room come on shout unto God we wonder how God will weave the plot twist in our life the things unexpected the things we did not anticipate for I want to tell you right now, brothers and sisters, he's watching, he's working, he's writing a masterpiece. He is weaving all the jumbled, seemingly messy pieces of your life and he will cause them to come together that what was intended for your evil will be worked for your good. You see, just when we think we really have no future, that evil has won, God says, everybody step back. The ultimate plot twist is coming. If you think I was surprised by this thing, don't know who I am if you think I was taken back by what she went through or he went through or they went through you don't know who I am but I am planning on the stage the theater called life a glorious turnaround and a victory unto the king somebody praise him come on somebody praise him so why is Israel seated on the floor and why would you be seated on the floor because identifying with things instead of what the word says about you today maybe israel is identifying with her regrets regrets are funny aren't they they will choke the life out of you if only i had not taken that first drug if only i had not taken that first drink. if only i had not said that to my mother-in-law if only i had not gone there if only i had not spoken out of turn if only i had been here and i had been there if only i'd come to know jesus earlier in my life if i'd given everything regrets will choke the life out of you jesus says that he comes to throw those things from the past as far as the west is to the east can i get an amen i love what the orida company does anybody or Ida makes frozen French fries and they're a very creative company and in the book thank you say thank you say please by the president and founder of Orida he writes about a principle of the company Orida gets real creative sometimes and they fry things that never wanted to be fried come on broccoli does not want to be fried come on and they'll fry broccoli and they'll send it out there and nobody will buy it for 10 cents on the discount table at save a lot come on somebody nobody wants it so they'll blow a cannon in the company and everybody will come down to the cafeteria and the president will say, woo, that was the stupidest thing we ever did. But for an hour, we're just gonna party like it's 1999. We're gonna eat, I got better moves than that. I just don't wanna bring them out today, okay? We're gonna party like it's 1999 and we're just gonna rejoice. And then he says the key thing. And when we leave this room in an hour, we will never speak of this failure again we will go back to our offices we will let the creative flow come again and the next thing is going to be a success come on somebody some of you need that maybe israel's identifying with self-perception self-identity if only i spoke like him if only i looked like her if only i was smart like them if only i had a different body i could live in if only i had a different mind You see, self-identity and self-perception would keep you on the floor. I'm going to tell you, I have preached in hand-me-downs at Lee University. Every one of my roommates gave me their clothes because I was divorced. If you don't know that story, look it up later. I was divorced. I remarried Pastor Hank. Give a shout of hallelujah. But I wore their hand-me-downs. I didn't even know what designer was. I was from Cali where we dressed like hippies. Come on, somebody. And they dressed me, I'm going to tell you, your looks will never get in the way because we're all going to get beautifully old together and wrinkled to high ye heaven. Draw a map on my wrinkles if you want to, but I paid for them. Come on, somebody. Self-perception. Maybe she's on the floor. You'll never have the perfect look. And those that look like they have the perfect look, they are being airbrushed. You know what? Or Botox to high ye heaven. I'll leave that alone. That was free. Maybe Israel's identifying with her fear. Maybe that's what you're identifying with, fear. Fear is a master weaver. Have you ever noticed that? Fear connects points that aren't even meant to be connected. Amen. You'll have a thought in the middle of the night. The house is going to fall. Um, I think I felt something under my arm. I need to go Google that. And you Google it and you die. You have two minutes to live. Come on. <laughs> my sister, who was a self, self-confessed hypochondriac when she was younger, whatever she saw on TV, she'd get the symptom within 30 minutes. Anybody with me? Because fear is a master weaver. One night I was walking in my neighborhood. Pastor Hank always said, honey, don't walk when it gets dark. I'm telling you, if you do. This is four cell phones. Yes, we did live in that time. And I was walking in the neighborhood, and I just got to listening to a sermon. I had my walk-in on, and, you know, the old walk-in, you know, the things. Walkman. (laughs) Someone give the Lord a hand for the Walkmans. That was a glorious day. (laughs) Big old earphones on. Looked like a walking cyclops. But anyway, I was... Walking in the neighborhood and I was just enjoying myself and I kept going, and kept, kept going, kept going, kept energizing, kept getting energized. I was a lot younger than Christine was about two, about a year and a half. And I was walking and all of a sudden it started getting dark, really dark. And I had not paid attention to where I was. Well, you know, I'm walking and I think I better get back home. You know, my husband's going to come looking for me. And I started walking. all of a sudden, this long blue station wagon, like one that you would see on Law and Order starts creeping up the street and I'm watching I think oh god not now don't take me Jesus and it starts going real slow and it and and I start walking you know woman's always got a plan if you don't know that about us men we've always got a plan my plan was I'd walk into a yard and act like I lived there that'd make them stop so he gets it gets slower and so I start I look at a house I've never been to in my life and I start walking in the yard gonna act like I live there and he starts coming toward the house. I thought, my God, he's crazy. He's a serial killer. He's going to slit my throat and throw me in his trunk and go bury me where gnats will eat my bones. Come on, somebody. I have a creative imagination. So I go to walk up the steps, and he keeps coming. It was a white man with big bushy hair. He looked like a man, but actually, anyway, he he pulled up, and I go up, and all of a sudden, my fear took over, and I start going up the steps. Next thing to know, my hand is on the doorknob of a house I have never been to in my life, and he's getting out of the car to come toward me. I open the door. It's open. Who does that? Who leaves their doors open? And I go inside. I shut it behind myself, and I lock it, and I said, Jesus, and all of a sudden, a little Italian lady peeling a potato comes around the corner. Jesus is here. I mean, she's not freaked out at all. Jesus is here. What you doing, honey? I'm like, whoa. I said, do not be afraid. I am not a killer. And I have never done this. But there is a man, and he is following me. She goes, oh, honey, you did the right thing. We're going to call the police. Still, I mean, you know a woman, she had to get dinner on the table. She was not going to be dismayed at getting her dinner on the table. She kept peeling her potato. And her big two cocker spaniels came up, started jumping on me. And I was just shaking inside. I said, we need to call the police right now. She goes, okay, honey. Let's let's get a description down. What was that man driving? I said, and she goes to the window to open the blinds. I said, he was driving a long blue station wagon. About that time, she looks back at me. About that time, sense kicked in. I said, your husband doesn't drive a blue station wagon, does he? She said, no, but that's my son, and he's trying to come home for dinner. So I said, so he comes in. I said, hey, hey, hey. I was just stopping by. And so she, she's still peeling that potato. She walks me out, and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so humiliated. I said, I'm going to bring you some cookies in my six-pack of, of cassette tapes of my sermons on how to overcome fear. <laughs> so walking back toward my house, I said to the Holy Spirit, where were you? WHERE WERE YOU? I MEAN, YOU HAVE ALWAYS BEEN MY LEADER, MY EDUCATOR, MY COUNSELOR. WHERE WERE YOU? WHY DIDN'T YOU TELL ME HE LIVED THERE? YOU HAVE FORSAKEN ME. I AM DONE. YOU KNOW. AND THE HOLY SPIRIT SAID SOMETHING SO POWERFUL THAT HE'LL SAY TO YOU TODAY TOO. HE SAID, I WAS SPEAKING TO YOU, BUT YOU TURNED MY VOLUME DOWN AND YOU TURNED YOUR FEAR UP. YOU TURNED ME DOWN SO LOW YOU COULD NOT HEAR WHAT I WAS SAYING TO YOU that you were not in danger, but you kept putting volume of fear up. I'm going to tell you, you and I will never be in our seat of authority and position if we turn fear up and tend the Lord down. The great saints always turned the Lord up above fear. The great saints kept raising what God would say in his word. You say, well, Pastor Ronnie, he doesn't speak so clear to me. Most of the time he doesn't to me either. But I'm going to tell you this, the word of God speaks. Those that love the Lord shall not have the spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Maybe Israel is identifying seated on the floor with the trials, the things we're going through. It's funny because um, Peter and James speak about trials. We've studied both those books. And they say, don't be surprised when you go through a fire or you go through a trial. Think it not strange. Everyone say, think it not strange. But yet we do. I can't believe I'm going through this. Can you believe it? But the Lord already said in his word, we would go through trials. And here's the thing. Jeremiah 29 and 11 in the living Bible says, I know the plans I have for you plans to give you an expected end. Someone say end. There's a beginning to every trial and there's an end on God's calendar. God already has a day when that trial will be done. So here's your three choices. You can endure a trial and miss the point altogether. You can escape the trial. Who besides me has ever thought, if I, if I could get out of this trial, this hard place, I'll, be, I'll go to the witness protection program, like they could save you from a trial. Come on. I'll do this. I'll move to North Dakota. Honey, there's trials in North Dakota. There's trials everywhere. There's hard places that believers and non-believers walk through. What you and I've got to do is not escape the trial or endure the trial, but enlist the trial. Look at your neighbor and say, enlist the trial that means you say to the trial you know what you may be driving the car you may be thinking you're choosing when i'm crying my eyes out and when i'm hurting and when i'm rejoicing and you may think that you are in charge but i'm going to tell you something trial i'm going to tell you that you may be driving the car but the lord LL Yan, yon the most high god owns the highway and when he says it's done it is done So what you need to say to the trial is, I tell you what, I'm going to enlist you and when this is done, and people say where did you get your boldness which often people say did you learn to be bold at lee university no no not at all did you learn to be bold here or there in seminary no i learned knowledge where did you get your boldness and your confidence i said i learned it in the fiery trial i learned it when i had to pull myself up by god's grace and get back into the game someone give jesus praise so when the lord says that day that that trial you're going through is done on that day don't you don't you crawl out of that car but you say to the trial you know what thank you for being my chauffeur because the word says that the glory shall be equal to the suffering So when I get to the other end of this trial that I shall come forth like gold, that my faith will be refined. It'll be unbeatable. It'll be something that endures. So when we get to that place, you're going to get out of the seat and you're going to come around and open the door for me. Because I'm not crawling on my belly at the end of this thing. I may have crawled on my belly during it. I may have complained and moaned and cried and looked pitiful. but. I will not look pitiful when this trial is over. So you open the door and I'm going to strut like a son or daughter of the most high God. Somebody give him praise. Maybe Israel, Josh, if you'll come and start helping me. That does not mean I'm done. It's just the point where I call him forth. <laughs> Got a couple more places then we'll get to our ending. Maybe Israel had identified, Pastor Todd, if you'll bring that to me, with sorrow. You know, things that break your heart. I read on the news this week, there's a thing called broken heart syndrome for women over 50 who have lost spouses. I said, no. No. But it's funny how we can color things through loss and hurt, sorrow. I'm not even talking about losing someone. I'm just talking sorrow, a betrayal, a broken heart, a disappointment when you just knew that that thing was going to work out. And all of a sudden you start embracing a loss of hope. Israel was seated on the floor, probably just overwhelmed with all the mistakes that she has made, but she forgot the prophecy and the promises that was inside of her. So she's identifying. It's an interesting thing about sorrow, pain in heart, whatever, and I'll, I'll travel here for a moment. When Joseph's brothers brought his garment to Jacob, the great patriarch, They said, your son is dead. Here's the garment. Wild animals ate him up, and he is gone. Jacob said this powerful statement that is so horrible. He said, I will go to my grave grieving him. There is some things that we grieve for our lifetime, but Jacob was completely convinced, but he was completely wrong. Whatever you're grieving over, I'm not dealing about people today. I'm dealing about dreams, hopes, visions that you think is just done, that there's no way. You see, Jacob began to look at everything through this perception the rest of his life. He looked through everything through this sorrow, through this pain, and it colored his life. I got news for you. I know the end of that story. Joseph was not dead. He was on his way to the right hand of Pharaoh. He was going to save the world, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. But if you and I focus on betrayals, on wounds of the heart, disappointments, things that didn't come together the way they should have, we'll view everything in the world through that perception, and we'll stay on the floor the rest of our life, knowing that God had a future for us we could not imagine, but we kept viewing everything, letting that thing sit in our seat. You see, wounds are a funny thing. When I was going through inner healing in 1983 that restored me to Pastor Hank, the Lord said to me, Rhonda, I've looked inside of you and I've seen wounds and scars. I said, Lord, I don't have any wounds and scars. Didn't you see me Sunday morning? I was leading that great junior choir. Little known fact. I directed a choir that traveled with Perry Stone, if that's not, you know. And Perry, Perry was just revisiting this the other day because the Spirit of the Lord would just follow was North Cleveland Junior Choir. I said, Lord, didn't you see me? I was praising you. And I'm smiling, and I was on the homecoming court, and I'm in Delta Zade and all these things at Lee, and God said, wait a minute. Psalms 44 and 21, shall not God search this out? For He knows the secret places of the heart. He knows where bitterness has been hidden back here, unforgiveness, disappointment. He shines His light, and He says, I wanna heal you. In Jeremiah 10, Israel says to God, My grief is unbearable, my wound is incurable, and I have resigned myself to endure it. And it's interesting because it's like God just allows that to hang out there for a long time. And then in Jeremiah 30, the Lord finally responds to Israel and He says, you're right, your injury is incurable. Oprah can't heal it. Your wound is beyond healing, says the Lord. And your allies allies are things that you prop yourself up you know i am prop myself on the drugs i take or the food i overeat or on just locking myself up or in my anger in my grief or in my isolation i just keep propping myself on my allies but god said i'm gonna knock those allies right out from underneath you because i never intended you to lean on anything but i am the lord your god and god says you're right it's incurable but i will not Allow you, someone say allow you. I will not allow you to resign yourself to endure it. Meaning you're just saying, I'll drag this thing with me the rest of my life. I mean, I'll just keep dragging it. I mean, I I can do this. I I can do this. No, Holy Spirit, no, I don't want healing. I'll just keep dragging this disappointment. And the Lord says, I can heal you of that. And I can restore you, says Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. I am the Lord that heals you. To those who believe, Malachi 3, the son of righteousness will rise with healing. Someone say healing in his wings. Psalms 55, he ransoms us unharmed from the battle that is waged against us. Maybe, maybe Israel identified with unanswered prayer. Maybe that was the wannabe God. I want to show you this morning what the wannabe God looks like as it comes in this morning. It comes in carrying your crown of glory and holding your garment of praise. It comes in arrogant and cocky, thinking it owns you instead of your place of position. It has no fear of you in in your mortal self. It has no respect for you when you're by yourself. And it comes and takes that place and sits right down in the place that is yours. As you and I sit beneath the wannabe God, maybe it's unanswered prayer. It's a tricky thing about unanswered prayer because some of your greatest answers are still in the future. And if you let things that didn't go the way you prayed affect you, you're going to abort your destiny. You got to keep praying. You got to keep believing you've got to keep seeking god israel's on the floor with a chain around her neck she's seated in dust she looks up at this thing whatever it is for you today the lord is now going to fill that in for you right now it may not be anything i've said but the lord's going to fill it in for you and tell you what's your wannabe God today. Maybe two or three or four or five, it doesn't matter. Israel is seated on the floor and the chain around her neck. And all of a sudden she hears the words of Isaiah, which today the Holy Spirit himself speaks to you and I. He says, wake up, wake up. Why are you on the floor with a chain around you? Why are you limiting yourself? Wake up. Shake yourself from the dust. This is yours, says the Lord. And Israel all of a sudden looks at herself on the floor in ashes and with this chain. And it's an interesting thing. Genesis 27 and 40 says, when you grow restless, you will throw the chain off of your own neck. I believe in prayer, I believe in recovery, I believe in small groups, but I'm gonna tell you something, I'm not gonna wait in line for somebody. Sometime there's a specific moment that you have to say, I'm tired of this chain around my neck. When you grow restless, when you grow weary, you gotta reach around your own self and say, the Prince is not coming, the whatever is not coming, I am throwing this chain off in Jesus' name. Somebody give him praise in this house. Israel begins to wake up, you and I begin to wake up, and Israel says, why am I seated on the floor? I belong to the Most High God. Why am I down here on the floor? You want to be God. That's all you are. That's all you are. You want to be God, but I serve the Most High God. My God told the sun to rise in the morning and the moon to come out at night. And King David penned the words that said, if you can stop the moon at night, you can stop the covenant of God's love, but you can't do it. Come on, you want to be God. See if you can hang the sun in the sky. Come on, give it a try. See if the moon will respond to you. You can't do it because you you're a want to be God. But I serve the creator and the sustainer of the ends of the earth. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Come on, you want to be God of my regrets and my past. You think you're so awesome. You've been telling me what I can do and not do. You've been telling me I'm not qualified. You've been telling me I don't have the look. I don't have the right past. I don't have the right word. You've been bullying me. But my God, my God, Job said, he calls the stars forth by name, billions. And they stand as a host before him like a military host. And then he calls each and every one of the billion by name that not one of them is lost. Come on, you want to be God of regret. You want to be God of regret of fear see if you can call the stars by name see if they'll respond to you see if they'll come to you they won't do it will they because you're just a wannabe god but we serve the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end the line of the tribe of judah give him praise in this house come on you want to be god My God calls the lightning forth according to the book of Job and the lightning sounds around his throne and speaks to a rhythm that says, here we are. Come on, see if the lightning will respond to you. See if the lightning will come at your command. See if it will listen to you or the thunder or the snow or the rain. My God hides the snow for the day of trouble, but you can't do it because you're just a want to be God. But my God spoke into the darkness and he said, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke into nothing and the world began. Somebody praise him. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, you want to be God. Come on, you want to be God. My God weighed the waters in the hollow of his hand. The Bible said he weighed them, and then he told the Pacific, you go here. To the Atlantic, he said, you go here. The Tigris, the Mediterranean. And then he made the final command, and don't you move past your boundaries until I speak to you again, says the Lord Most High. Come on, you want to be God. You've been bullying me and pushing me around and telling me what I can do and can't do. Come on, my sorrow. You think you're so powerful. You're going to take me out. See if you can weigh the waters in the hall of her hand. He holds the ocean in one little hand. See if it will respond to you. No, 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 because it won't. Because you're just a wannabe God, but we serve the great I am that I am. That is his name for all generations. Hallelujah. Come on, wannabe God. Your final act. My God gathered the dirt and he formed it with his own loving hands. Praise to your name, Abba. He formed them with his own loving hands. And then, after he had fashioned them, he said, Let us make them, them in our image. After he'd fashioned him, He breathed and reached down and brew the Ruha, HaKadash, the Hebrews call it, breath of the Almighty God into Adam. And Adam lifted up and became a breathing, living soul. My God did that. Take the clay that I've had to provide for you right at your feet. Pick it up if you can want to be God and see if you can form mankind and everyone that's lived from Genesis to the end of Revelation. See if you can breathe life into it. See if you can... it forth. No, 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 you can't because you're just a wannabe God. But we serve the great Lord of all kings, the King of the universe, the King of all God. There is no one like our God. Someone give Him praise in this house. Come on, somebody give Him praise. You can keep standing. Just watch the rest of this where you are. You see, she shook herself, Israel, from the dust, as you and I have to. Those wannabe gods don't know what's going to come out of your life. They're not worried what has been. They're worried about what will be. So they for you. All of a sudden, Israel woke up and said, you know what? That's my garment of praise. You've been telling me when I can worship, when I can't. I come into worship, and you lift up your ugly head. And you say, why are you praising God? Everybody is going to know what you're really like. Why are you praising God? I know what you did yesterday. Why are you praising God? I know last night you was fussing and a cussing at your family. Come on. Why are you worshiping God when you were just mean on the drive to church? Come on, somebody. Why are you worshiping God? I'm going to tell you what we say to that wannabe God. We don't worship Him because we're worthy. We don't worship Him because of what's right with us. We worship Him because what is right and holy and good with the Most High God. Give Him a praise in this house. Oh, yeah, you're holding it like it's your precious. Because you know that praise is my breakthrough. You know whatever I go through. When I worship Him and I praise Him, it makes grief lose its grip. When I worship Him, fear has to run. When I worship Him, all the things against me go running out the door. Because there's victory in my praise. Somebody praise Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's my garment of praise. That's my robe of righteousness. You have no right to it in the name of Jesus. Give me back my praise. Somebody glorify Jesus. Somebody glorify Jesus. For he has clothed me with garments of praise. He has clothed me with robes of righteousness. I am complete. Give Jesus a hand. That's my crown of glory. You see, want to be God? You weren't there, but an angel recorded in Psalm 8 as an angel watched God create man from nothing, and an angel recorded, "What is man that you are mindful of him? You made him a little lower than Elohim, and then you crowned him." But when God went to crown you and I, meaning creation, he could have reached into the sapphires, the rubies, the diamonds, the emeralds, the gold around his throne room. But he made the angels gasp when he reached inside of himself and pulled out glory and honor and a crowned man with glory and honor. Somebody give him praise. You see, you've been waking me up in the night making my mind be fearful, my mind be sorrowful. You've been waking me up in the night, tormenting me, putting things together. You've been waking me up in the night, doing all of that while you hold what's supposed to go over my mind. And that is glory and honor. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, give me back my crown of glory. Somebody praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just praise him for a moment. We have the mind of Christ. Our mind is covered with the glory of God. Anxiety kneels to the name of Jesus. Depression kneels to the name of Jesus. Somebody give him one more praise. You ready to get this thing out? (laughs) That's your seat of authority. That's your seat your seat of calling, your position in God, what he's called for you to do, that's yours. I'm really tired of you taking my place. I've let you bully me long enough. Yeah, squirm. Go ahead and squirm because you know what's coming. That's my place that Jesus, Christos, Christos, that Jesus gave his blood for my freedom, Jesus gave his blood for every person in here. He didn't give his blood. He didn't go to Calvary so that you could hold our crown and hold our praise. He didn't beat Satan in the third region of the dam. Holy Spirit didn't go in and pull Jesus out after his death and ascend him to the right hand of God that you could bully us for the rest of our life upon earth. No, that's our place. That's our authority. That's our calling. That's our peace. In the name of Jesus. Get out of my seat. Hallelujah. He has made me to sit in heavenly places. Come on, I'm done. Give him the best praise. 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 The best praise. Hallelujah. 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 This is your place. This is your crown of glory and honor. You've been bullied long enough. Spirit of the Lord says to you in this final moment, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Get out of the dust. Stop feeding on the shadows. Rise and sit in a dignified. We've been bullied into undignified places long enough. But he has given us authority as a church, as the body of Christ all over the world, and as individuals that we would move and live upon this earth as we are vicariously seated in heavenly places. I don't know what God showed you during this message. But whatever you need to say to get out of your seat, I'm going to lead you through that in a moment. We're going to all say it together. Just ask the Lord, what is it? Close your eyes for just a moment. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Breathe, bring these things into our mind, Lord. Bring them into our mind, Lord. Bring them into our heart. For those battling low self-esteem, the Lord says, tell that thing to get out of your seat. For those battling fear, battles that didn't go the way you wanted, disappointments, regrets, unforgiveness, maybe wounds. The Lord says, I want you to take your authority. It'll be a process after this, and you may have to do it daily, but don't let it take the place I've given you. As every eye is closed, I hear the spirit of the Lord say, what I have put inside of my people is beyond their comprehension. Eye is not seen nor ear is heard, says the Lord, nor has it entered into the heart of man what I have prepared for you. You have no idea what I want to do through you tell it to get out of your seat today. Vicariously get your mind and your heart back in a place of dignity and go forward and don't step back says the Lord in Jesus name. If you look up just for a moment what I'm going to do is sometimes what I do when I'm out among. I've done this overseas too for I pray over you one of the most powerful things I ever saw was in the European nations. I don't know if I can say it but all of a sudden, one of the pastors started running toward me when I got to this point, and he couldn't stop crying and shouting. And later, my dear, dear one of my besties, Kathy Payne, who's International Missions Director, told me later, I said, what was that about? She said, he goes to church under guard. They could be killed at that time. They worship the Lord in great fear, and they'd used an interpreter, and he told me, when you did that, I saw the people of Turkey. And I saw that we are not going to be bullied, but we're going to continue to live for Jesus. You don't face those odds, but you do face odds that are real to you. So think whatever it is. You're not going to have to say it. We're just going to say, get out of my seat together. But I want you to envision it. I'm going to count to three. And then together we're going to say, in the name of Jesus, get out of my seat. If you're soft-spoken, you go ahead and be soft-spoken. Authority doesn't have to scream. I just happen to be loud. But however you want to do that, get it in your mind. Are you ready? One, two, three. In the name of Jesus, get out of my seat. Now I want you to just rejoice. Come on, come on. I want you to give him praise. I want you to give him praise. I want you to give him worship. I want you to give him the honor that he's due. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah. Lifting hands all over this place, if you can lift a hand. Father, I commission my brothers and sisters today. I commission them in the authority of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost. That they would go forward and do what they have been called to do. Don't let them step back, but step forward, Lord. Do in them only what you can, Lord. For your glory and for your praise. In Jesus' name. Just for a moment as every eye is closed. If you're here today and you have just a situation that you need God to do something, I want to pray over everyone. Maybe you want to come back to Jesus. I want to give that opportunity now. Just every eyes closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just suddenly sensed some people just have some overwhelming burdens, Lord. I pray for you to lift those up, Lord, and do what only you can do. Lord, I pray for strength and courage to do the right thing. Lord Jesus, I pray for those that need to come back to you and receive once again your call, Lord that they will do it. If you've been running from his call on your life, this is your moment to just say, I will. Would everyone say, I will. I will. Say it one more time. I will, in Jesus' name. Now will you give him one more praise as you're seated. Amen. (laughs) Amen, amen. So thankful that you could come and uh, be a part of this word this morning. And um, I pray that this visual will never leave you. And I also pray that you remember that you consistently have to get things out of your seat. Holy Spirit gave this.